Most people fear pursuing their passion as society has convinced us that you'll struggle in life if you make your passion a career. Many of us see it as a fruitless pursuit, and there's also self-doubt and the fear of failure. There's a much larger connection with passion than in other jobs, which can sometimes be intimidating. You feel like you're not good enough, and to avoid disappointment, you decide just simply not to follow your passion. This was Chris Johnson's case a few years ago. However, he decided to pursue what he loves and is now helping others do just the same thing by living their passions. Chris has a podcast called The Passion Pod where he interviews others also pursuing their passions. Passion Pod has featured chefs, actors, musicians, and artists, each sharing their story and discussing overcoming fears and challenges and building a solid career on their passion. Chris believes that anyone can build a life and career around the things they love. Through the interviews, he hopes to help the listeners see this. He, in turn, also shares his story. So today, from Fragile Moments and Not Today Media, I'm your host, JD, and this is story number 57 of the What's Your Story podcast, Passion Boards. Chris Johnson. I own a skateboard shop called Passion Board Shop, and I do a podcast called The Passion Pod. And then I also paint large scale murals of bright, colorful monsters. And I'm an appointed city official in my town and a father of two kids. So I'm a busy dude, but I do creative different things that involve the community. I love it. It's safe to say that Chris loves skateboarding. He started skateboarding when he was around 10. And by the time he was 14, he was skateboarding almost every day. This is where his dream of owning a skateboard shop began. But Chris didn't start working on his dream immediately and took a sales job in the corporate world. He moved to Minnesota to pursue a business degree. As Chris moved up the corporate ladder, he was promoted to assistant manager. By then, his dream of owning a skateboard shop wasn't a priority as he was focused on simply making money, as most of us are. But he felt something was lacking. While he loved his job, Chris didn't get the satisfaction and fulfillment he expected. After some thinking, he took the risk and walked away from the corporate world to chase his childhood dream. Chris opened a skateboarding shop called Passion Board Shop. The shop is now about eight and a half years old and has become a staple in his hometown. Chris, as he mentioned here, is also an artist and won several awards, including one for the best new mural. He is showing others day by day that you can make your passion a career and, at the same time, still excel. You simply have to believe in yourself and not listen to society. Let's hear Chris tell his story. So, start back with the board shop, really. Because I still think that's so, I I don't know why that like truly fascinates me, but I I think it's just that it's so rare. Yeah. You know, you see kids. One skate shop per city. Right. So there's not many people. But and they're do. quick to write it off. I mean, it, it's, I mean, I know Tony Hawk has been doing that for years as far as going around to cities. And if they have, 
you know, an issue with putting things like, you know, a skate park in, like he'll, he'll have that conversation, but it's still, still so like unique. He's the most influential person as far as skateboarding that has ever existed by a wide, by, by, yeah. And that's just because of pop culture. You know what I mean? Like he caught a bunch of flack when he did like the McDonald's commercials back in like the late nineties, early two thousand. Yeah. But he actually used the money that paid for those commercials to start the Tony Hawk Foundation. Yeah. Which that is the foundation that has donated by far the most amount of money to build public skate parks all over the world, not even just in America. So he's, yeah, he's a legend. I would love to interview him at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm a, I'm a skateboarder. I've been my whole life. I'm 33 now. I started when I was like nine or 10, which would have been in 99, which was around the time the first Tony Hawk video game came out. Yeah. So coming right back to talking about him, but <laughs> time there's like major pop culture around something, you know, whether it's skateboarding or it's something else, like look when chess, all of a sudden there was that TV show about chess, the queen's gambit. Yeah. Chess sales went way up. So, I mean, that happens with skateboarding. So it was around that time I started skateboarding just like a million other kids and I just didn't stop, you know, and I did that my whole life. I wanted to own a skateboard shop since I was like 14 when I was like hanging around wow. in a skateboard shop. That was when the, the first, idea of like this is what i would want to do yeah and then i kind of went the corporate sales path i went to college for a business realized i didn't think i needed it because i was already doing sales since i was 16 and you can either sell stuff or you can't yeah so kind of went back and pursued sales more my last real job i was an assistant manager for verizon back that would have been 10 years ago felt like i was serving the devil i'm not even (laughs) religious but i just felt horrible about what i did it's like I knew I was contributing to something that I didn't appreciate. Yeah. And I had a bunch of other like just other stuff happening in my life at the time. I got married. I had my first child. My parents split up. My dad had a heart transplant. There was all this stuff that happened all in this the stuff. course of like a year that really made me kind of think of like, well, if I were to die tomorrow, would I be satisfied or would I feel good about that? I mean, no one wants to die that day. But in general, what I feel, right. you know about the legacy I left behind. And I didn't feel good about where I was. Not that I was the worst person in the world. It's just, I was part of a greasy company doing a greasy job. So that's when I really kind of thought about like, okay, well, what do I want to be doing? And that's when I decided to open my skateboard shop. So there's a long story to it, but I got my location in January of 2014, opened in April of 2014. And I still own that today. So it's been almost 10 years since I, since I opened that. And then everything kind of you know, progressed from that. It all grew from that same idea yeah. of pursuing something I was passionate about and making a career out of it. And then that's kind of how everything grew. And that's kind of, a, I mean, I think that what fascinates me about, you know, culture like skateboarding is that you have two different avenues that you can end up with, you know, that you see the the side that like, you know, like we were talking about, like, you know, the city doesn't want it because it brings like such a negative vibe. But truly in the end, it's one of those like, rare moments of like a community of a, a group that yeah this is the activity that they're around but you brought not anything more than you know an exercise and you know really developing a skill and you know so can you talk about the i mean here you are in this you know this town and you've you've had this now for 10 years so not only are you a store but yeah. i'm sure you're you're a, you're a community icon at that point for you know that can you so can you talk about that a little bit yeah i mean when i opened it intent was kind of wanting to be like a older brother kind of character, you know, a yep. role model for kids because 
you know, being heavily tattooed and owning a skateboard shop, the boys that come into my shop, they think I'm cool and they'll listen to me. They don't listen to their parents. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I kind of knew like that was the role I was taking on when I opened it. And that yeah. was, no, that's what I wanted to do. But I mean, I've been doing community stuff since forever. I have a t-shirt in my house that says, build us a skate park already. Or it says, build a park, build us a park already. And I designed that and printed it when I was 15 in high school. And we sold those to raise money for the skate park. So I've been <laughs> doing that since like, yeah ever and we had been raising money from then and we finally got our first free public park in the summer of 2013 and that was one of the catalysts of like oh really time to have a skate you know a skate shop because we finally park but during that whole time frame it's like the skateboard scene and like the public's view of what skateboarding is has changed so much partially due to people like tony hawk but when i was growing up it was just my dad had an ongoing offer to give me $200 if, in cash if I would quit skateboarding like, <laughs> throughout high school, which was a lot of money to me when which I was a like, lot of money back then. Yeah. Yeah. Be- but that's how people felt about it. They just yeah. thought it was for delinquents, you know what I mean? Which is ridiculous because yes, you know, there are some cultural things that happen just because it's kind of anti-society. But the truth of the matter is the reason that happens is because we treat all of these kids like they're delinquents and delinquents and criminals, right? Yeah. Where they're out on the street and we're calling the cops on them. We're screaming at them. We're swearing at them. And, you know, when you treat kids like that, they're very impressionable and yeah. they start to believe the things that you tell them. Right. So if you're telling them that they're awful and that society doesn't want them, they believe that and then they act that out. Sure. So it's not the skateboarding, it's just how we treat how we're treating it. Right. It's right. And if, if you see kids that are at a skate park and their parents are there, just like if you go to the YMCA and their parents are there, you know, having them Watch shoot the basketball, right? Yeah. Kids aren't the ones that are getting in trouble. It's the ones that the parents are like, oh, I'll just let my teenage boy go downtown and hang out with whoever is right. around and who knows if they're at the skate park or not. You know, it's the same thing with music, though. Like, you don't you don't think, oh, you just let them go. Are, it's going to be a bad thing. But I'll tell you right. what, kids start going to little random house shows where you don't know how old anybody is. Right probably going to be drugs and different things that get introduced right but it's not the guitar right you know what I mean? so it's it's just changing that public perception and that's changed a lot over the years and it, it's been cool going from you know being 14 15 running from the cops every single day to now i'm the vice chair of the parks and waterways commission with my city so like i'm an appointed city official sure i've gotten you know parks built i'm that's what i do is focus on getting skate parks and different park systems built within my city and become like a respected leader. Not only that, but like my podcast is on the radio twice a week. It has been for like four years and it's won a bunch of awards and I'm just involved in a lot of things, but yeah, going in and sitting with my like little commissioner name tag in city hall with the like gavel (laughs) from being the skateboarder that was running from the cops is a nice transition, but that's kind of how it's gone, you know? And that's, yeah, a lot of people have been working towards that acceptance and that support from the community for a long time. And it's funny because kids now I'll hear them get mad about getting kicked out from a spot. You know, cops told us we couldn't skate here. And I'm like, dude, yeah, but you didn't have to run from them. Yeah. Like you weren't worried about anything happening to you. You, <laughs> you can go back tomorrow. Anytime that a cop has came up to me when I've been skateboarding the last five years, at least the first thing they say is, Hey, I'm sorry to spoil the fun. Somebody complained and technically it's illegal. So you got to yeah. go, go, dude, if you don't want to give me a ticket, because the tickets, the fines in Eau Claire, and this is pretty much everywhere, are $213. It's a lot. Which yeah. is a lot. It's more than a speeding ticket. You know what I mean? It's more than a lot of things. 
I'm like, dude, if you don't want to ruin my day by giving me a ticket, then like, yeah, fine. I'm fine by leaving. Like, I'll, no problem. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of other places to go. And that, I mean, that change in perception, I mean, it goes with a lot of things, but I, I feel like, you know, the minute somebody can take on that and, and really kind of focus in on the fact that, no, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to cause a scene. I'm, I'm just trying to do what I enjoy doing, what I'm passionate about. And at the same time, show you that, look, I can do all these same community things that the person that's wearing a business suit and zero tattoos can do. You know, it's just, it's a matter of, right. You said, I mean, really just kind of focusing in and zeroing in on the fact that, look, you don't have to, you don't have to buy into the identity that somebody believes that you are. But yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's something that I think we skip over. And then when we get to be parents, we really skip over that. It is a, it is a 24 seven job that letting go. Yeah. Doesn't not, I mean, you can't do that right away, you know? Well, it comes with time, right? It's like, yeah. it's time understanding. I, I try to tell people with like what I do for a career. So like what I do for work, which is what I would do for fun. But what I make money doing is I paint large scale murals. I do a podcast radio show and then I own a skateboard shop. Now, if I tell somebody who's 50 plus what I do for a living, it's hard for them to grasp how that makes money. Yeah. Right. Because they're like, well, skateboards are just toys. Right. People don't pay for art. You know? <laughs> and like the radio, I, everyone knows the radio doesn't make money. What's a podcast? How do you get paid for it, because they didn't grow up with it. Do you being, sell drugs? Are you sure? Is there nothing yeah, else exactly. here? What are we missing? <laughs> I know. Number of times people have came into my shop asking me where they can buy drugs because they just assume I either yeah. I either do or I know is just mind blowing. Yeah. But I mean I, I I get it. But I'm just saying like the that older generation, they don't understand because they didn't grow up with it. Sure. So the older generation when I was growing up, they didn't grow up with skateboarding being a thing. Right. They don't have much of a perspective on it. Now what's mm-hmm. happened is all these people that grew up in the 70s, 80s, 90s skateboarding, they are now in the positions of power and influence. They're doctors. You know what I mean? They're city right. competent and they're whatever. They've grown up. And now those people are the influential people that are kind of leading the world. And that's what's changing, you know, the perspective on it. But that's with anything, man. I right. mean, that's outside of just skateboarding. That's with things like, you know, sexuality. Like people are so afraid of people right. being sexual but then when all of a sudden you have ellen on tv you know what i mean or you have you know the but different things i guess i'm pulling random names but anytime you finally have somebody yeah. who's like respected in place like, right who represents a certain community whether it's music or religion yeah. or whatever that thing is it becomes more normalized and it becomes more accepted so that skateboarding is one of those many one of many yeah has and grown. It's, i mean it comes down to just wanting to understand that versus just Right. Putting up a wall and going, well, that wasn't my generation. You know, we yep. didn't do that, you know, and it, rather than just saying, OK, well, it's no, it wasn't my generation. That's not what we did. But right. What's going on in the world today? You know, you can you have to do as parents now. Right. Is like, right? look at kids are growing up. My, my kids are seven and ten and looking at what they're growing up with. And instead of just having the attitude of like, well, that's not a good thing. It's like, well, I mean, there's good and bad with everything. But if you look at it and say, well, this isn't going anywhere, this is going to continue to evolve. So how do we understand that more? I just interviewed this influencer who he's 24 and he does like short form kind of comedy content, right? And he makes a killing. He's crushing it. He's got like three, four million on TikTok, 300,000 on Instagram. And he just like lives in my city. You know, and he's only like 24, or 24. And he got a degree in chemistry from college and then didn't use it, you know? And for yeah. him to explain to his parents, like, no, I'm picking the better career. Yeah. 
they don't have an understanding of like no how are you making how is that a real career how is it sustainable how is it like they don't they don't get it but that's the first generation that came up thinking from when they were young seeing that right. people were living doing content on the internet content creation is a new thing i mean people were making you know they were they were musicians and other things like that before obviously people created but as far as like living on the internet like that is like an influencer or content creator in some kind of fashion whether it's podcasting or whatever else kids now that are graduating from college or are that general age group they grew up with that as being something that's possible yeah. and we as you know parents need to look at what are the things that are coming for our kids and instead of discouraging those things just trying to understand them yeah. and go okay well how can we be supportive of what our kids want to be doing this podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now, like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. This, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. And now, back to Chris's story. So how do you now as a dad, when you switch that role there, not the, not the business guy, how do you navigate that personally, you know, looking at, especially at that age, because here you are coming at, you know, the middle school age where like, it's the worst time in your life because everything's changing. But it's like you talked about earlier, that's when they're looking for their identity. You know, yeah. where somebody, the minute somebody goes, you are a delinquent, you are, you know, a menace or whatever those terms that come along with that community. Unfortunately, they yeah. soak in me. Okay, well, I don't, I don't know who I am. Like, I'm confused anyway. You're telling me you're a grown up. I got it. So how do you navigate that now as a dad? you know, in this generation, yeah, knowing I mean, what we've, knowing what you know, and knowing what we're talking about here, how do you, <laughs> I mean, I think in general, you just try to be self-aware and do the best that you can. You know, if you could look back on your life, you're always going to be able to pick it apart and decide what you could have done better, what you should have said in that moment or whatever. But instead of dwelling on that, just focus on the here and now and what you can do in that moment, like the best that you possibly can. In my personal opinion is leading by example is just the best way, you know, like with my kids, like with painting murals as an example, they've been on TV with me a few different times. I was just on, I haven't seen the new story come out yet, but it was on this morning doing, it was about a bunch of murals that I did. I think they were in one of those videos too. 
But by having them be a part of things with me and explaining this is why I'm doing what I'm doing and this is how I'm making a living doing it and doing it in the right kind of way, you can speak as much as you want, but it's all like they look at what you're doing. Right. And they're going to want to emulate that to a certain degree. They're going to pull that and do whatever, however they see your actions, they're going to try to incorporate those into what they want to do and kind of follow along that path. So it's just, you know, like I said, leading by example, I think is, is the biggest part of it with the, with the internet as an example, right? I have to spend a lot of time doing stuff through social media and whatever, but I constantly and explain and explaining to my kids, like, this is why, and this is how, right. I use it because that is how I've been able to get a hold of this person, right? I interviewed this illusionist, Reza the illusionist. He's like one of the bigger magician acts that travel the country or travel the world for that matter, I guess. Um, and he performed at a, a big art center in my town. And I got a hold of him and then went and interviewed him backstage. And then he gave me tickets for me to bring my kids and stuff. Nice. So I could bring my kids to the venue to go, look, this is what I spent my day doing. I was right. on social media in order to get a hold of this person because this is how I use it for work. Yeah. Not for like personal social status, whatever, but this is how this is a usable tool for work. And this is what can come of it potentially if you do it in the right kind of a way. But it's, it's like I said, it's being self-aware and right. you know, then making sure that I'm not spending my whole time sitting on my phone in front of my kids, you know, having that take way too big of a role using it as a tool, you know? Do you see that as like a, not, I don't want to say like a concern or worry, but like, you know, it, it being yeah. in the generation now that we are and seeing what's coming ahead and knowing that, like you mentioned, you know, the 24 year old that's making, you know, making money, making a living off of, you know, social media. Do you yeah. see that as, you know, the trend and like, you know, that there's a side of it that's like, that that you know we have to just embrace the work side of it and the there's a side that's like no that like i don't want my kids anywhere like near it or or is this or is this is this 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 generation's like skate community in a way like you know where everybody's like no no i'll give you two hundred dollars if you just get off youtube and stop watching tiktok videos (laughs) yeah well i mean i think everything has a spectrum to it there's good and there's bad with everything it just depends on how you treat it, you know what I mean? But I think it's an unavoidable thing at this point. And, you know, these types of things like status and stuff existed before. Sure. It just, they were, the social status was dictated in different ways. It was based on what school you went to or how much money you had or what car you drove or whatever. Sure. So there were other things that were involved. I think the bullying is like the biggest negative thing. And, and on mental health with kids, it's throwing a direct comparison of like, you can see how many followers somebody has. Yeah thrown at them every single day you can see how many likes somebody has or whatever and kids don't understand how to separate those two things i grew up at that sweet spot of i I think facebook became a major thing right it came i think it it came out in 2007 and it was like 2008 ish that it started to catch up i think you just had to be so i'm 42 so i think you just had to be a college student, I think is, is all like, that's how it said. That was it. Like you couldn't do it unless you had a college email address. Am I correct? And that was like when I was getting into college. But by that point in time, <clears throat> I didn't, the, the social hierarchy in that kind of way wasn't attached at yeah. that point. And there weren't followers or anything like that. So I was a grown adult, not in college doing my own thing. I had already opened my skateboard shop before like Instagram became. Uh, yeah. Right. So for me, I saw it exclusively as a tool. I saw that the more followers you have, not exclusively that, but whatever, like those are advertising opportunities for you, but it didn't affect 
my social status and my friends that are my age that I grew up with, most of them don't even use social media yeah. or they don't use it for work in any kind of way. So, but they're still my favorite people. So even though like my best friend doesn't use any social media, he has zero followers, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I'm too cool to hang out with. Them. Right. <laughs> to me, it's just, those things are totally unrelated. Yeah. But for kids growing up, it's kind of thrown in their face, you know, and the, the biggest negative thing is that they can't escape it. It's like, right in front of them. And we have to figure out as parents, which is really tough. Do we want our kids just not to have them, you know, so that way they can't be bullied, but then they're kind of almost, you know, behind all of their friends too. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, if I talk to, when you talk to somebody who was homeschooled, the biggest thing people real like see with them is how socially awkward they can be. Yeah. I mean, it's not because their education was bad, but it was because they didn't have to deal with bullies and all these different personality types. Yeah. They didn't learn the social skills going through those situations that suck. So do we want to completely limit our kids from having those? At this point, my kids don't have cell phones. They don't they don't have social media yet or anything like that. But it is something that's like a it's coming and it's not crazy far off because yeah. I my older one, I know some of her friends already have that stuff. <laughs> At what point am I going to be okay with it? How do I monitor it without being a helicopter parent? It's something I'm worried about. But yeah. like I said, every generation has something like that. At least this one's a little bit more in our control. You know, yeah. not only that, but before finances were such a big part of it, where only rich kids could go to college. And that was a big part of your status was like how much money you had, right? right. How exclusive the club was. You got in this fraternity or whatever. And those things weren't accessible to everybody. It was only to a certain group. At least now everybody has that opportunity. Yeah. I think it leveled the playing field to a certain degree because virtually everyone, not everyone, but the vast majority have access to things like social media, even if they have an older iPhone than a newer one or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least the kids somewhere, have somewhere yeah. to play the game. And if we keep denying it, it's only going to hurt it's yourself. That's, it that's part of your of your portfolio now in right. a lot of careers. Not everything, obviously, but there's a lot of careers that social media works as your portfolio. Yeah. You just want to completely ignore it. It's going to set you back. But there's a lot of careers where your social media is arguably more important than a degree yeah. in college would be because it shows that you actually can yeah. do whatever the thing is. You know, if you want to be in marketing as an example. If you have, if you've grown a social media following around your personal brand, you've proven to that you've company shown that some, that's yeah. more valuable than an associate degree to a lot and of companies. On the same token, and it, it's been a while now, I mean, I mean, I can remember companies like taking a look at like your social media profile. And I don't, I don't know if I've heard that in a long time, you know, as far as that well, they, they actually do that. But even, even so much as like just realizing as a human being that yes, you are you know, somebody could be social and, and has a lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. But do you have like a respect for the world around you at the same time that like, yeah. you know, it is, it is, you're sharing everything with the world and yeah, you well, know, you're really showing who you are and sometimes that's, that's good and bad. You know, I don't know if we have that conversation as much as we should, especially, you know, Which for, for kids. Yeah. Right. We gotta, we need to, try to help them understand again with me i just try to lead by example of like this right. is the online brand and persona that i am it is true to me but doesn't mean you have to share everything right you know what i mean it's like you have to curate it to be the right thing but i think the reason they don't talk about you know there's no news stories about companies looking at your social media anymore is because literally everyone does it and it's not news right they do it they absolutely do it 
because they know if nothing else from an advertise, advertising standpoint, mm. if you have you know a certain amount of social media interaction consistently, they can look and see if you post about your work. And then they can see if it's posting positively, right. if it's advertising for them in a positive way, or if you're a right. liability. They don't put it in the news because it's just common practice now. And I think that, we forget that too, you know, that part of it that like, they're not yeah. looking necessarily about, you know, yes, you have an impact, but like, are you, are you aware that there is somebody potentially above you that's looking at how you represent them? You know, yeah. that's like, we almost just go, eh, okay, I'll, I'll do it myself anyway. Like, even if I get fired and it's like, well, no, there's, there is a social etiquette, like part of this that like, you do yeah. have to be aware that yeah, well, it's your not words, just- your pictures, your everything have a, have an impact on somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not just getting fired. It's, it's, you don't know what opportunities you're not getting. You're right. You're, At times you're not getting hired for something because of stuff like that. They're not going to tell you that's why you didn't get hired, but that very well could be a part of yeah. it. It's, it's like I said, it's just, it now is built in as a significant part of somebody's portfolio. Yeah. They will look at that as part of the resume, whether you want to include it or not. And that's only becoming more and more and more and more so. So us as parents looking at, well, kids are growing up with this and it's pretty much unavoidable, you know, like, dude, if you're a lawyer and you have a bigger social media like platform, you're going to make more money. You know what I mean? And that's like a very protected career where you have to go to school forever. So there's, it's very ingrained in society. And that's just one of the things anyways, that's like, we didn't grow up with that, but that now some version of that, right. And it is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. How do we try to guide our children when we don't even necessarily know right. what's going on? I appreciate you uh, taking the time to tell your story there, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> what's Your Story is hosted, produced, and edited by me, JD. Thanks to Chris Johnson for reminding us that following your passions is always worth doing, no matter how scary it may seem. You can check out more from Chris by heading to the link in our show notes. The Storyteller Project produces an audience-supported publication with this stellar podcast, stories that connect and heal us as human beings, and well-researched articles on challenging but crucial mental health topics. If you love our work, please consider joining our community of curious minds and venture into a broader realm of human connectedness. You can head over to FragileMoments.org story to learn more about this project. Thanks for choosing to listen, and I look forward to hearing your story one day, because we all have within us a story to tell, a song, yet unsung. <laughs>